Welcome to the Job Shop Show, where we talk with the owners, suppliers, partners, and customers of custom manufacturers. Listen and learn the secrets of top-performing job shops, the tools, techniques, and backgrounds that have made them successful, all in the quest of raising the bar for custom manufacturing. I'm your host, Jay Jacobs. This episode is sponsored by Paperless Parts, connecting buyers and suppliers of custom manufactured parts. The Paperless Platform is a secure, ITAR-compliant, cloud-based manufacturing system for suppliers that reduces the amount of time spent on sales, estimating, quoting, administration, and order processing. It offers seamless integration with the accounting and ERP software tools that shops already use, such as QuickBooks, E2, and JobBoss. Paperless Parts was founded with a mission to make manufacturing more accessible by streamlining the quote-to-cash process. Spend less time quoting and more time selling. Kazam! This is Jay Jacobs. Welcome to the Job Shop Show. I'm back again with Jeff Gorman, and we revisit the theme of seasonality in custom manufacturing. How there is an opportunity to manage demand by increasing or decreasing prices. How you specifically might do this in your estimating formulas. I have observed a trend over the years that we are coming up on a busy period. Rather than extend lead times, how about strategy of increasing prices to lower your win rate to match your shop's capacity? This ties into our discussion on my favorite geopolitical thinker, Peter Zeon, and how his analysis global trends has me incredibly bullish for shops, custom manufacturers, and manufacturing in general. Finally, if you haven't heard, the first user conference for paperless parts customers is scheduled for later this spring. Dates are in the podcast. Now, time for Jeff and I. Jeff, good to see you again. What's going on, Jay? Well, it's the second week of February, and what I want to talk about is seasonality and how pricing should adjust with seasonality. I know, though, you're getting off a string of calls today. You've been talking to customers nonstop, and I want to get into some of the specific areas where you're helping them further dial in their pricing. However, we're going to talk seasonality because this... One of the things that I think is so important is to understand the trends of when there's a lot of demand in the buying of parts and when it slows down. And do you see that? Do your customers share that with you? Yeah, I think it comes up either directly or indirectly. You know, we look at a lot of data together. So I, I can see, you know, whether we're explicitly talking about the trends, I can see them with my own eyes. So I can make sense to them as well. But people say they're busy. People say that they're not busy. Although I hear usually that people are busy, not the other way around. So you get a feel for it that way. Because if you get on six calls and chances are five or six people are going to say that they're having a hectic day already, at least from my experiences. So, (laughs) and, and I'm one of them as well. So, Given that, let me jump in because there were some trends that I want to talk about. And depending on how your shop is structured, if you lean more towards prototypes, one offs, very short runs, 
this is going to affect you more than if you're doing higher volume where you have blanket orders and the the demand is there because you're you're doing the repeat stuff. What I saw is we are entering one of those spurts of demand and we would deliberately raise prices around this time of year. And we're talking today is February 10th and we would start to see the quoting pick up and the quoting would probably peak about the first week in March, between now and the first week of March. And we would get slammed with orders because what my way of thinking was people had quarterly deadlines, whether it was for shipping parts or for deadlines to hit for product development milestones, they needed parts. And the quoting would slow down, but we were still making parts. Orders would come in, and it usually usually lasted through mid-April. So we would raise prices about now, and then about mid-March, we would back off some of the prices. And if you're listening, I encourage you to think about the trends that you may see and whether what I'm saying is valid for your shop. If you do see an increase in demand and you're doing more the one-offs where you can adjust essentially pricing on the fly, then the customers will pay more this time because they are more desperate for parts. They don't have as many options because other shops do not have the capacity to deliver parts typically faster than you will. And this is in the first half, this is the time where you make a little extra money. Uh, September, October are the big months in the fall, then it starts ramping up in August. But right now, this is the time to think about what you've seen in the past. And if you agree with me, try raising your prices. Even if you raise them 5%, that adds a lot of money to your bottom line. What do you think, Jeff? And how would they do that in paperless? What lever would they pull? Could they pull? Well, you've got a lot of options, I guess, of how you could handle that. I think the easiest route is just to increase your markup percent or your profit percent by five, or you could create, you know, a new costing step to capture, you know, that new amount explicitly. And that, that's a way you can keep track of, of kind of the delta or the new amount that, that you've increased by, but pretty easy to just tack on additional percent, or if you want to test it with like a handful of customers and see how that looks, you can do it that way as well. Or you just pick and choose who you're going to try that out with. I think you probably have a handful of customers in mind that it could be time to raise prices with, and it, it's easy to you know, pick and choose who that might be by looking at data and saying, all right, I've been quoting with so-and-so for you know, this long, they don't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. I can probably start to uptick the price a little bit. Yeah. I'm also thinking new customers as well might be a good option for the price increases because they don't have a baseline for you. And you're probably at this period of time going to look pretty good. Although if your lead times are reasonable, they may pay more and accept that higher pricing. So definitely it doesn't have to be across the board. I was also thinking it could be as simple in implementing as having a variable created called seasonality. And usually it's set to one. You could go in easily and 
change that to 1.05 and multiply everything at the end. Is that doable? 100%. At the end of the day, the what you're saying, seasonality is just measuring supply and demand, right? It doesn't really have to do mm-hmm. with season. It's, or it, it actually has to do with supply and demand in your shop. So that can even be like independent of industry seasonality or industry trends. If your shop, if you just ran like marketing campaign, couldn't that create the the same (laughs) sense of seasonality that you're describing? If you have all of a sudden a ton of work in your shop and and more RFQs, now you have supply and demand in that sense. So I don't know if it has to be just based on like a manufacturing index, if you follow, but just what's going on in your shop. It really, what you're saying is I used price to throttle demand and you were saying it in a different way. When you increase demand, whether it's marketing, time of year, whatever it is, then if you're not expanding your capacity, you're either going to be extending your lead times, which customers don't like, or you sacrifice some of the demand by increasing the price. And to me, price is a great throttle on demand. Let's talk about something else that I think is driving demand. And I love the almost daily YouTube videos that Peter Zian puts out. He's a geopolitical strategist. He looks at geography and demographics and projects internationally what's going to happen. He's written a bunch of books. I find the YouTube videos are the most current information. A lot of it's reiterated and repeated. One of the reasons I'm so bullish on manufacturing in the US is the move from globalization to deglobalization. And there's so many factors happening that are making this reality. We're seeing one of them, which is the war between the Ukraine and Russia. We're also seeing another one in some of the actions of China, things that they've done themselves and things that the U.S. has imposed upon them. These are all splintering the global supply chain into more regional supply chain. And why I'm super bullish on American manufacturing is, and I encourage you to go listen to a bunch of his YouTube videos. Peter Zion really thinks that a region will be North America and the U.S. ton of capability here. Mexico is getting much better at manufacturing and we certainly have Canada as a supplier of energy and other raw materials. North America is over the next five to 10 years going to be trying to bring as much manufacturing back as possible. So we are essentially a self-contained entity internationally. We don't have to rely on China or Russia for some of the things that we have done so for the last 30 years. And he makes a really good observation, Jeff. He says, because of low energy costs in the US, we're really good at the low end of manufacturing. And then because of our industrial base, we're really good at the high end. And what 
sort of has been pushed primarily to Asia is is the mid end and the middle. And that is going to be coming back to North America. And that will involve a lot of equipment manufacturing, as well as a lot of the production of the actual end use parts. In his opinion, the industrial base in North America has to double in the next five to 10 years. And the industrial base in the US has never doubled within 10 years. That's a lot of people making parts. That's a lot more capacity that has to be added. So long-winded, so low-key there. Any thoughts what I threw out? I don't usually think that far into the future, but I guess you know when you put it in, in that perspective, five to 10 years is not, not too far ahead, although that's almost half a lifespan for me so far. So, so. what it means is what I'm, if you're listening to this, what I'm trying to do is give you the confidence that you will get a return on the investments that you are putting into your shop, that custom manufacturing is going to increase in its entirety. And the tough thing is that we are actually going to have less people to be able to do it. So we're looking at doubling our industrial output and with the retirement of the baby boomers, we don't have as many younger people behind. We're actually going to have less people to do this. The shops are going to really have an opportunity to implement technology and grow as much as they want and have a very secure base of business because for the foreseeable future, there's going to be more demand than there is capacity. And one of the reasons I'm so passionate about raising prices is this is going to require a lot of automation. A lot of, and automation can be software, could be hardware in machine tools, maybe in your quality area, all over the place in the shop. And that's going to require you making more money so you can make those investments. It's not so much that the direct result for you will be that you're, you're bringing home more money, <laughs> that would be nice. However, at Rapid, when we were growing 32% a year, I wasn't really changing what I brought home. I was reinvesting everything into the business and that's what enabled us to keep growing every year. How does you know, someone that doesn't, doesn't own or you know, work or in, in, at a manufacturing company be a part of that, I guess, growth or opportunity to to increase like what are there opportunities for investment in that in any capacity that's a good question i think that the support industries will be necessary and there will be a lot of ways that well i'll give you an example one of my dreams for paperless parts is that we have the ability to our api to take in third-party pricing engines. And if a company develops a really good algorithm for calculating machine run times, or at least you think they do, and you think they do a better job than paperless parts, then you are able to, within the paperless parts software, go out, use that algorithm, and bring it back. And that gets plugged into the rest of the 
pricing formulas that we're creating. So these are ways that maybe you're not a manufacturing person, but you're really good at software and you can help complement what shops are doing. I think there's also going to be some creative financing opportunities for shops to be exposed to. The leasing and the banks are the traditional way of doing it. Maybe there's other ways that people can participate in some of the upside of the shops by providing the capital because there's there's not going to be as much capital available. And right now, at least interest rates are pretty high. So maybe there's a way to share that. I always say, put it on the table. Let me talk about it and we'll, we'll, we'll see if it makes sense. I will say one of the really cool things though, was the ecosystem that we saw build up a little bit around rapid. And there were, I think at least two restaurants that were they they just exploded because we were hiring so many people and they needed to go grab lunch close and the amount of business that we gave to these two restaurants it, it was really cool to see and the owners very much appreciated and knew that it came from the manufacturing environment so as as manufacturing booms you you know it's going to require people and although we're going to have to do more with less. There still will be more people, I hope, shifting into manufacturing. And they need all the services that to, to live their daily lives. It's going to say dry cleaning, but I don't think people really get their shirts done and their, their pants pressed anymore. That's the old days. But certainly food, maybe daycare, pet boarding, all these all these things that, that go along with with working locally. And that's one of the things, a lot of the manufacturing jobs, most of the manufacturing jobs, you have to be on site. You're not remote working. Yeah. Neat stuff. Not like working at a software company where you really just need a laptop and, and Wi-Fi. Yeah. Maybe you can, maybe you can do some quoting, but it's still, it's nice to go out on the floor and ask somebody if, if that actually is going to be made the way you think it's going to be made. Well, that you just use the the paperless parts chat to you know achieve the same thing, or you ask MSC chat, you know, through. That, yes, yes, you can initiate that. I still believe in face to face, though. You know, you bump into the guy at the lunch table, and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm you know five. That, I'm that, always in the office. I'm in here right now. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I think if you are a paperless parts customer, we are doing something really exciting. I don't know if it's been publicized. Maybe I'm letting the cat out of the bag on this one and maybe it'll be edited. We are having our first user conference this year, May 3rd and 4th in Boston. And this is going to be a way not only to get to meet the paperless team and spend a lot of time finding hands-on with with some of the tools that you may or may not be using, enhancing what you're using, finding out about new features. I think as important is the users of the paperless parts software. The users of the paperless parts software are so progressive. They are leading the industry. They're the tip of the spear. And this is a great way for you to meet like-minded people and develop those relationships. So when you go back later after the conference, you 
have a few people you can collaborate with and maybe even you're getting in on monthly calls and sharing, collaborating on different ways to not, not only in estimating and quoting, but other ways to run your shop better. Maybe you're talking about the suite of tools that you're implementing from a software perspective. Maybe, and I know this is something we want to get, we want to do another episode on, but the, the whole defense initiative for the CMCC and the audits that are going to be going on there. Maybe there's other people that you would meet at the conference who are going to have to go through that and you're able to help each other out. Yeah, I think the, I don't know if you said, I think the dates are May 3rd and May 4th. And then there's another another conference in the fall that would be on the West Coast. So I, I think the buzz term or whatever they're coining it is paperless parts power conference. Hmm. So, and I don't know if you'll have to edit it out because I think they did publish it today, actually. So that's that's out there in the wild. But yeah, definitely if if you're a user of paperless, you're on the East Coast and it's it's convenient to come by. Come on. Hell, down. if you're on the west on the West Coast, don't wait six months. Come over. <laughs> it's really going to be worth your while. And springtime in New England's pretty good. Yeah, May is also my birthday month. So you can you can bring your gifts by <laughs> while you're here too. Cake. Cake. Did someone say cake? You had an interesting call today with one of our customers who's a sheet metal shop. And they had called and well, email. Wanted, it, it went through an email. Yeah. Well, so we it's, it's, it, I'm, t- I'm <laughs> talking about the, yeah, share the situation and what they wanted to do that they didn't realize paperless parts the software could do from the multi component nesting. Yeah. So, sheet metal fabricating shop, so large assemblies, sheet metal components, basically. The way you would cost out material for for a project it could be one of two ways: either you're, you know, you're, you're nesting parts on a sheet and kind of single geometry base, so one one geometry and and one sheet, or maybe you're nesting several different geometries on the same sheet and trying to do it like the most efficient way, and then you know you got to now spread those costs accordingly across the pieces. So, long story short, we. We have a, a multi-component nesting modules that allows you to do just that. Basically, choose a bunch of parts within the same you know, input, some some information about how you're going to be running the job. You know what what type of material, what size sheet, some costing info, whether it's cost per pound or, or cost per per you know per unit. Then we take all of those parts, nest them together, and figure out sort of what the nest contribution is. So how much basically we need to assign for cost to each part um, and make that, you know, really easy to bundle up in an assembly or in an entire quote package, whatever it might be. So the shop, you know, that I'm working with got set up with that and their material costing was great. And after a while using that, he reached out and said, you know, this is working well. However, I think it's a deficiency that we can't nest or share costs for setup time and, and you know effectively set up costs across different parts that are going to be nested with one another because therefore they're going to be run you know on the same setup they share time and we want to charge for it that way and, and give an efficient or competitive so they cost. wanted they wanted to split costs across each of the components and give each of the components a fraction of the setup cost Right. You have 10 parts, you know, and you have an hour of setup time. You want to 
basically six minutes a piece, you want to spread the costs across each of those parts. Yep. And maybe you want to do it a little bit more scientifically where if one part's larger, they get, you know, the cost spread proportionally. So basically customer was unaware that, that we could kind of do that. So quickly said, let's hop on a call at lunchtime. And we did that and, you know, real easy to go in and set up a rule in his laser cutting operation that, or work center, if, if you're not a paperless parts customer, but basically, you know, get the nesting info and figure out what percent of the nest this part took up and then multiply my standard setup time by that percentage. Um, mm. So all the parts in this, in this job, if I have, you know, 10, 10 parts and they're all the same size, that would mean they would each get six minutes a piece. If my default setup time is an hour okay. and really easy to set up. And then we actually went through and did it for a few more operations, I think deeper. And then for uh, outside service lot charges. Mm, now yes. it's $200, you know, minimum lot charge or whatever it might be. We'll get spread across the components accordingly. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. And I don't know how you would do that in an Excel spreadsheet or ERP system. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. And I think we set it up in like less than a half hour. And there were a few other steps that he wanted to apply kind of that logic too, but said after we went through it a couple of times, he was going to, going to do the rest on his own, which is cool. I love it. I love it. Anything else of interest lately in talking to customers? We had a today, actually, this has been a hot topic just lately, but top of mind since just earlier, we had a demo with a, a prospect. So they're not a customer yet. Uh, hopefully they will be, but they had, a lot of interest in our you know, workflow management and sort of dashboarding and, and reporting in paperless parts and the analytics segment as well. Nice. Um, so I took part in the call to talk a little bit about that. And, you know, they seem to be pretty interested in that. And funny enough, they were also interested with material costing and, and you know, sharing costs, just like the, the customer call that I had today as well. So it seems like everybody's thinking about the same things, but it makes sense. We are talking about quoting. So, yeah. Well, the things that you are implementing and that customer, that prospect was asking are things you can't do in an ERP system or spreadsheet. And this is what I love about the power of what we're doing. It's, it's what we implemented at Rapid and we were so dialed in on cost. And I know that we're doing the same way that the, customers who are implementing this and getting really granular, they know exactly what their costs are and they can adjust pricing in so many different ways once they actually know what as true a cost as possible can be, or at least we're spiraling into that truer cost. You flavor on pricing aspect afterwards and you you are going to be so consistent. There won't be any dogs in your shop because you're weeding those out along the way. We're not giving, giving anyone anything that they weren't doing before or couldn't do before. It's just making it a whole lot easier and, and yeah. quick really is the bottom line. And, yeah. and so that, that others with, can do it as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. It happens automatically as opposed to it's an effort to make it happen or maybe bring up a special spreadsheet to share. Maybe some things with the reporting 
we're we're enabling because if you you don't have a system that's capturing that stuff, it'd be a nightmare to collect and put together data in a way to report on it in the way we provide. But from the costing perspective, you know, people are we didn't invent sharing costs across parts, but it's no. a pain to do <laughs> it, and the tool makes it super easy. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thanks again for jumping on. I think we hit some fun topics here today. And if someone's interested in the user conference, do we have a way for them to sign up yet? I think the registration doesn't open until March 1, but when it does open, we'll I think we're going to be blasting it out via email and in, in the app as well. Okay. So at least mark your calendar. And if you have the opportunity to bring along a spouse or partner, I encourage you, Boston's a fun city to explore and make a long weekend of around it. Oh, well, thank you, Jay. You got it. Until next time, keep raising those prices. Let the spindles turn and keep those lasers cutting. Have a super day. Thanks for listening to the Job Shop Show podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Not only do I read every single one, it also helps me understand what content matters most to you. Thanks again for listening to The Job Shop Show.